welcome back to those of you who made it. And a friendly word of warning. Something you won't find in any guidebook. The next time you turn on a new podcast on the highway late at night, make sure you know just what kind of show you're hearing. Or you may find yourself a permanent resident of... The Nocturnal Disney Podcast. Hello everyone, my name is Bryce, and I am here with James. Say man. Good evening, hope everyone's had a wonderful week. Absolutely, absolutely. We are here for episode number 44 of the main show of the Nocturnal Disney Podcast. I don't know if you can tell or not from my voice, but I am sick, and I cannot really string three or four sentences together without coughing horribly. So, what I'm going to do, I am going to introduce the show, I am going to introduce the ideas, I might say one or two things, you know, kind of quick, but for the most part, this is going to be a James show, so, buckle up for that. I'm going to apologize ahead of time. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be fun. And we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, goodness gracious. We're going to be talking about Derek Connolly and Colin Trevorrow's episode 9 script. We're going to be talking about the Beauty and the Beast sing-along. We're going to be talking about Smuggler's Run, the Pirates League and what's going on with that, Hollywood Studios and its fluctuating schedule, and a bunch more. So guys, you ready to get into it? Absolutely. Been waiting all week. Let's go. You know, looking over over the script for the Colin Trevorrow version of Rise of Skywalker, I I'm not disappointed with what they did. I just I really am intrigued as to what he would have done with that series. Um, most importantly, out of all things, the Knights of Ren. I would have liked to have seen them have a bigger role because. We all saw them in the first episode, well, episode seven, I guess you could say, and they were so cool looking, and we really didn't see much of them other than like, you know, just kind of a flashback, so to know that they would have had a much larger role, and um, I think Leia probably would have had a much larger role had she not passed away, Um, but I mean, even, you know, Rose... And, and BB-8, they were supposed to steal a dreadnought. I mean, that's pretty, pretty awesome. I, I just, there's a lot of things that that I think this could have really um, filled the void for a lot of Star Wars fans. But I mean, I liked what we got. I think just like everybody likes a Snyder cut for Justice League and Batman Begins, <laughs> or I'm sorry, not Batman Begins, Batman Superman. I would love to see a JJ cut of Rise of Skywalker because he did use some of Colin Trevorrow's work. Um, I mean, anyone that saw Jurassic World knows that's a pretty decent movie. Um, anyone that says it's complete and utter dumpster fire, I, I can't agree with you. I'm sorry. It was a it was a good movie. The soundtrack was great. Um, I I like Bryce Dallas Howard. Um, I like 
uh, Chris, uh, geez, what's his name? <laughs> Chris Pratt. There you go, Chris Pratt. He's hysterical. Um, <laughs> but now Fallen Kingdom, That's that movie sucks. <laughs> um, but I like... I like where he was headed. Um, I do think that they did take some of what was in this and kind of maybe put it in the Jedi Fallen Order video game because you get to put together a double-bladed lightsaber in that game, if I'm not mistaken. So That's pretty cool. Yes, very cool. And you can kind of build your own lightsaber in it. But um, I, I, think, I think having J.J come back they were just trying to be on the safe side because it was such a successful movie they figured well this is a safe bet people aren't going to be upset with that but it's like there were so many revisions of the movie and they were so scared of making it too long um they just kept cutting back and cutting back and anyone yeah but don't you think if you do that at the cost of the movie then becoming just a little bit disjointed doesn't that put the movie at a detriment? Isn't what you're doing bad for the movie then? Yeah. I mean, you, you don't want to hack it up and, and turn it into a ground beef sandwich. This is not a chimichanga. We want to make a movie that people can <laughs> digest and a- appreciate. Um, and it, it's it's tying up 45 years, 40 or 45, 45 years, I believe, of cinematic Came history. 77. Yeah, so, you know, 40-plus years of cinematic history, there's not a single director that will not say, oh, yeah, Star Wars has impacted me in some certain way. I mean, everyone's seen those movies. <laughs> so, right. um, I know me personally, that was that was how me and my brothers bonded. We watched Star Wars and stuff, and I know there's a lot of people that have the same exact story. So, um, I've been watching it since I was five years old, so, but... Absolutely. I, like... I can't rem. Obviously, I wasn't around to see the originals in the theater. Uh, I remember Same. seeing the prequels in the theater and being yep. pretty excited about. Them. Oh yeah, man! And the toys, man! Remember the toys coming out for Episode yeah. One? We were like, "Yeah, finally, we get some new toys." But looking back, we're like, <laughs> "Why were we not appreciating the toys that we had? They were so cool!" <laughs> like the they were uh, cool. Ewok Village and the the uh, ATSTs. Oh, dude, man, we had some cool toys growing up. See, I never had the uh, the Ewok Village. What I had was the Jurassic Park compound. Oh my goodness! That thing was awesome. I made me so happy. <laughs> Before you were saying you hadn't seen any of the concept art, is that correct? Yeah, I didn't even know there was any concept art for there's, Trevorrow's episode nine. There's a uh, <clears throat> there's a a picture of Ray holding a blue double bladed lightsaber. And she's kind of got this all black costume on. It looks so awesome. Really. And um, Kylo Ren fights Darth Vader. C three PO is is with R two D two, I believe. R two D two dies, and then with a lightsaber, Hux kills himself. A callback to Episode Four, Leia. Um, but I, they kind of, you know, they kind of played on that with Last Jedi, so I'm sure that was probably somewhat redundant, because when he's 
when he's just like, oh, whatever, you can't make me do this, and then he plays the help me Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. It's just like, oh, that was a cheap shot. I love that. <laughs> but I think, um, I-, I truly think that his movie would have been just as action-packed, and it would have been very epic. It was going to take place mostly on Coruscant, and Coruscant would have been pretty much destroyed. And, man, I would have loved to have seen right. that. Which it would have made so much more sense for yeah. Lando Calrissian to be there than on this just random desert planet that they threw him on, you know? Yeah. Not only that, but they steal a Star Destroyer. James, they steal a Star Destroyer. I feel like you really glossed over that fact. That would have been awesome to me. Like, that would have been so cool to see in the theater. Just Ray and Finn and BB-8 and Poe on the bridge of the Star Destroyer trying to figure it out. And, and and watching them take over the, you know, all the officers on the ship, that kind of thing. That It would have been pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> I'd watch it. I, I mean, I, I You could almost have a movie of that. that. Due to the excessive success they've had of Mandalorian, I think they're coming to the conclusion that, look, yeah, we can make a ton of movie, uh, a ton of money at the movie theater, but I think we could have some insane subscriptions, which would give us money every single month if we have more Star Wars content. I don't know if we were going to talk about it, but they had put the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi thing on hold. But there's so much false information coming out, and Ewan McGregor straight up said, do not believe half the crap you're hearing on the internet. It's it's a bunch of drama that it doesn't even exist. Like, no, we had to... I, I, I don't know. And that will... You know, and they they just keep saying stuff like, "Oh, Kathleen Kennedy is like doesn't isn't happy with it." Look, there's a lot of stuff going on in making a TV show that is like it's not like they're just scrapping the thing. Um, I think with that, uh, they didn't want it to be exactly like the Mandalorian, and and then fortunately, the storyline was so much like the Mandalorian. Uh, because Obi-Wan was protecting Luke Skywalker uh, against, um, like, Tusken Raiders and that kind of thing. And it's like, it sounds just like Mandalorian. <laughs> so, it's like, well, this is going to be redundant. But, um... Right. See, I don't know, man. Like, for my money, because we've seen what has happened with, you know, the different directors in the past, you know. We yeah. had to have... Ron Howard come in to go ahead and kind of take over for Solo. Yeah. They lost Colin Trevorrow off episode nine. Episode eight was not supposed to be the guy who directed it. I couldn't, I can't remember who he, who was originally supposed to do it or who did it at the moment. Episode eight had a bunch of changes. Episode nine had a bunch of changes. So she has yeah. this, you know, history of, of problems with, like creatives. And so now we have an issue where back in August, she goes, oh yeah, guys, don't worry. Scripts are done. Scripts are done for Obi-Wan and they look amazing. They look like a lot of fun. They look good. Awesome. Now, come January, she's going, scripts aren't done. Scripts aren't where I want them to be. 
So now she does that. Yeah. And she fires the writer. She fires the writer. So in my mind, if it is a situation like what you're saying, like, oh, yeah, you know, it's just they didn't want it to be like Mandalorian. You don't fire your writer. You know, just, hey, buddy, come up with a different story. So I feel like there's more turmoil there, like more conflict there than we're really seeing. Because she has lost somebody on every single one of her projects. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind it's of amazing. It's pretty obnoxious. Uh, I mean, she's going through directors like a football team banging out some Gatorade. I mean, it's just... The thing is, it's like, I'm not here in any way, shape, or form to defend Kathleen Kennedy but the one thing that, no, no, the one thing I will say that she did right was allowing them against everybody's wishes. She says, no, this has to be in the movie. She chose to put the Darth Vader scene in Rogue One. And there's not a single person that's going to say, oh, that that scene sucks. No, <laughs> that's everybody's favorite scene. It's so awesome. He just goes in and cleans house. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not saying that she hasn't made good decisions. I mean, her movies have made $4 billion out of five. Like, And I actually think they're up at to five movies making a billion dollars because Rise of Skywalker just yeah. recently passed that billion-dollar mark. She sure. has a winning track record. She has a track record of people going, you know what? This movie was divisive, but the people who liked it really supported the movie. So. They're not bad movies per se. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't care for Rise of Skywalker, yeah. but I really like The Last Jedi. I freaking loved Force Awakens, but there, there's a problem here. There's a problem. Like, look at somebody like Kevin Feige, right? Over there, spearheading Marvel, taking care of all of Marvel, and I think he's lost... Two directors yeah, and maybe movies. one main actor in Joaquin Phoenix for Doctor Strange. Yeah. So he's doing something right, and Kathleen Kennedy is doing something right. I'd like to be a fly on the wall and listen to absolutely what was said because I will guarantee that, like, okay, when you watch the, um, the into the spider verse <clears throat> that is such an incredible movie I, I really didn't want to watch it when it when it came out i was like this looks stupid oh it's awesome and then i watched it and i felt like such an idiot i was like wow you're <laughs> dumber than a box of rocks that movie is fantastic and um it is it is made for diehard comic book fans um and to know that those guys would have made Solo, I, I would love to see what they would have done with that movie. I really do think they would have made a solid movie. And because they lost their their directing job on that, and then, you know, Ron Howard had to go in there and, like, redo everything. It was like, is this movie going to suck? Which, I, I don't know how he managed to pull that off, but but that movie's good. I, I like Solo, and a lot of people passionately hate it, and I'm like well, did you even see the movie? Like, it's a good heist movie. No. They just, they were like, oh, I hated The Last Jedi. And it's like, so, so because you, you don't like 
tacos, you're not going to eat Spanish food? It's like, are you serious? No, you, you try other things. It's not like it's the one thing on the menu. <laughs> Just because you like one, don't like one Star Wars movie doesn't mean you have to not be a fan anymore. It's childish. Sure. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. My question to you, though, is this. With Kathleen Kennedy's track record, what do you think the odds are that Taika Waititi is actually going to direct a Star Wars movie? Because she she approached him. She's like, you did such a great job on the last episode of Mandalorian. We want you to direct a Star Wars movie. Please do it. So do you think it's actually going to happen or do you think it's going to kind of fall apart the way that everything else has so far? I really think Taika's solid. I mean, the guy, (laughs) what he did for Thor, I do want to see Jojo Rabbit. It looks hysterical. Um, But, I mean, what he did for Thor, I, I mean, that's probably in my top five Marvel movies. I've seen that movie so many freaking times, it's not even funny. Like, I love Ragnarok. It is it's it's so funny. It's so And that's good. the thing. Thor was never like supposed to be extremely funny or anything like that. But he made that movie so hilarious. And it was just it was a good storyline and everything. I liked it. I didn't think it was gonna be that good of a movie, but it was it was hysterical. Um I think if he did do a Star Wars movie, I would hope that it's more geared towards like more of a smaller plot, you know, if you know what I mean, not like a, you know, Rise of Skywalker, huge storyline. I would hope that it's more of like, you know, him doing the backstory of the Max Rebo band after Jabba the Hutt's palace blows up, like, oh, now we can't find work or something like <laughs> that would that would be Taika Waititi's take on the, the show or, or the movie, whatever he decides to do. But I, I mean, that'd be pretty interesting, he, actually. He's so funny. And I, I know that there's so many parts of Star Wars that are funny that fans have come up with. And it's like them playing off of the fact that stormtroopers have god awful aim in the last episode of Mandalorian was so funny. I seriously busted <laughs> out laughing. And it was 5 a.m., I didn't want to wake up my wife. But it's like, this is so funny. And they're just like blasting and he starts <laughs> jingling it around like, is this thing broken or something? It's like, no, you, you all suck at shooting. It was it was great. <laughs> Loved it. But uh I, I I think he could definitely do good. Um I don't think he would do any bad to the to the fan. I, I mean he's a Star Wars fan himself. So Right. I don't think he would do bad. What I'm asking is, do you actually think it is going to happen? Do you actually think that this movie that, you know, they've approached him to do is going to go from concept to production to release without him or somebody else leaving the project? I think he is going to, because he trusts, um, wow, I'm such an idiot, uh, uh, Kevin Feige, he knows Kevin Feige. He's been around him more than enough. Um, I think he's going to see how things go with Kevin Feige 
And if things go well with him, he's probably going to be like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. It's an... Does that make That's sense? It's actually not a bad call because well, what about... It really does. What about the thought of Taika Waititi actually working with Kevin Feige to make this Star Wars movie? I would totally be down with that. I think that would be pretty cool. I I think I would like that quite a bit. And and like you said, Taika Waititi is comfortable with Kevin. So maybe the odds of him staying on and being retained throughout the entire project would be better yeah. than if it was just Kathleen Kennedy. You know, and it's not like she's poor right now. She's probably making bank, so she's gonna ride that wave as long as possible. Oh, absolutely, she is. But look. There's just some roles that people are not equipped for. You know what I'm saying? Some people should not be generals in an army like me. If I was a general in an army, no one's going to fear me. You know what I'm saying? Like people would laugh at me and be like, you're ridiculous. We're going to go over here and do our chin-ups and you should go. Bryce, I don't understand why we all have to dress up like Darkwing Duck. Because for reasons, that's why. Now shut up and go in there. Let's get dangerous. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) oh that'd be a terrifying army have the darkwing duck mobile (laughs) james moving on to the next point man because we've we've spent a lot of time on this so far the morbius trailer came out beginning of this month and uh it's been a while since we've been on this show but this is something i really wanted to talk about because of the implications that it has for the mcu have you seen I, the trailer, I have to James? tell you, I haven't, and I'll tell you exactly why I haven't watched it. Because I don't like Jared Leto. <laughs> I just don't like him. <laughs> That's understandable. But the reason I want to bring it up on this podcast, because understand, yeah. Morbius is a Sony movie, right? There are two things that happen in this trailer that makes you question number one and this is going to be a rather big spoiler for far from home if you haven't seen it i apologize but at the end of the movie j jonah jameson in the middle of Times square outs spider-man as being peter parker and that peter parker killed mysterio so now in morbius you see a scene of morbius walking down a hallway or an alleyway most likely and it shows a poster of Spider-Man, and underneath it, spray-painted, it wrote, Murderer? Question mark? Which, alright, that might just be like, whatever, just a little wink and a nod. Like, you know, we saw what happened in Far From Home. We're not connected to Far From Home, but, you know, just giving you a little Easter egg, right? At the end of the trailer, and it's not confirmed that it is him, but Michael Keaton is in the trailer and he's wearing the same prison garb that he was at the end of homecoming when he was the vulture so my question is they went to great lengths to say venom is not a part of the mcu they've also gone to great lengths to say that morbius is part of venom and i realize that the vulture is in Homecoming, which is a Sony movie, but he is part of the MCU. Are all of these movies starting to connect now? 
do you think the deal between the MCU and Sony got better when Spider-Man got taken away and now all of these auxiliary movies are going to be part of the MCU as well, but just Sony is going to produce them? Because that's kind of what it looks like to me if indeed Michael Keaton is the vulture in this video. What do you think, James? Uh, I think that the whole falling out that they had literally, what was it, like a, a day or so before uh, D- Comic-Con? Yeah, Comic-Con. And they were just like, yeah, Spider-Man's not in the MCU anymore. Where Everyone was like, what? So um, I-, I think that somewhat was in certain ways a publicity stunt, but after hearing, you know, Tom Holland straight up, you know, drunk dialed Bob Iger and he was like, dude, I need to be in this universe. And he was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, he, and then Bob Iger called the, the president of Sony and said, Hey, you know, we can make this work. And then they worked something out. I mean, uh, I, I think they've seen the success of, what the Marvel universe has done. And it's like, why can't they do it with the Spider-Man universe? Spider-Man's got a huge following, man. <laughs> so there's not a single country that's not going to know who Spider-Man is. So, uh, I, I think, I think you're, you're definitely onto something. And I think that they're going to sneak in a venom. And I think they'll probably cap it off with, uh, with carnage, maximum carnage. Well, see, I would love for Maximum Carnage to be like Venom 3. But Carnage is such a violent character, right? Like, yep. To me, he verges right on like the Deadpool level of, if you're going to see me on screen, it is going to be a little bit horrific. So... How do you think that they could work a Carnage story into the MCU, but keep it kind of all playing nice? Because the MCU is all PG-13 movies. Everything is family friendly. Mm-hmm. Carnage, it would be R. Carnage is decidedly not family friendly. You know what I'm saying? Like, nope. There's nothing about Carnage that would be okay. So how do you think they would go about reconciling that? Well, as society falls farther from grace, <laughs> I'm sure they could pull some strings with a PG-13 that would be ultra-violent like they normally do. Um, I mean, you you got to look at Infinity War and Endgame. Those are pretty violent movies, so they yeah, got Thanos away with did quite, get decapitated. I mean, Thanos gets his head lopped off, um, you know, Sleepy Hollow <laughs> style, and... You're just like, oh, okay, that just happened. And then they, you know, play it back later in the film, and it's like he watches himself die again. So right. um, I think what they're going to be able to 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 do with with uh, with Venom, I, I don't think Venom made that much money, if I'm not mistaken. It was so, success. No, 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 no. Venom made a lot of money. Venom was... High 800 millions, low 900 millions. There was talk of it maybe oh. even crossing the billion dollar range if I'm if it didn't. I think that it may have, but it was it made a lot of money. That was actually a surprise of the film because everyone was saying Venom cannot work without Spider Man. 
Yeah. And then Venom came out and it worked completely fine without mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Yeah. Have you seen Venom? I started to watch it. It was at 11:30 yeah. at night and in full James uh fashion style, I fell asleep. Surprised that. <laughs> that first half of the movie is rough, but dude, once you get past it and Eddie and Venom really start working together, it's Dude, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. What I can say, and this makes me very happy, Mad Max The Wasteland is is been announced. It hasn't been made, but they're filming Venom 2 right now. So Right. That's that's great. <laughs> um, it is. It is. It's very exciting because I cannot wait to see how everything ties together because clearly it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Moving on. Obi-Wan Kenobi was not the only thing that was put on hold. Because it wasn't canceled. It was yeah. just put on hold for the moment. Hawkeye was also put on hold. Yeah. Now, the speculation and the rumor is that it's due to casting Kate Bishop. They haven't been able to do it yet. Which, okay, maybe. So when I went on to IMDb to to check on Hawkeye, because I was I, I really was interested into seeing how how that was gonna all kind of play out, you know. Right. Um, it said uh, Haley Steinfeld is gonna. Well, play. that's who they want, but they've never been able to actually like pin her down, and she wants to play it. It's just her schedule is crazy, so they can't come up with the time to actually do it. Okay. And that's, but again, that's the rumor that's going around. So I'm curious as to why this is being put on hold. I'm also curious to wonder if this is the reason that WandaVision got pushed up. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Because, yeah. But James, like, what did you think about this whole situation. Do you think it's another like Kathleen Kennedy situation or do you think it really is just scheduling conflicts? Well, I don't think it helps that Jeremy Renner uh, said that he was going to kill his wife way back when. And then she filed stuff saying that he said that. And it's like, you know, after this all happened, that's when you started seeing breaks getting pumped on the Hawkeye show. So I, I don't, really know what entirely is going on there but i know that didn't help the entire situation so there's so much it wouldn't be the first time that disney was like whoa scandal let's stay away from this entirely so i could see where you uh, indeed (laughs) yeah that was so stupid because man we could already be like you know, knowing what the release date is for Guardians 3. But, I mean, it, it is what it is. You can't, I mean, you can't can't uh, change it. And everybody's posted stupid things on their social media at, at one point. What he did for Guardians of the Galaxy, I mean, come on, man. It's That's just about everybody's favorite Marvel movies. It's up there. It is definitely my favorite, like, standalone Marvel movie. You know what I'm saying? Like... There's other ones that are above it if I'm going to include the big crossover movies, but they're big crossover movies. It kind of goes without saying, and it kind of doesn't count. 
But you know, I love Guardians of the Galaxy 1. Yes, yes. And what was so funny about those movies, so um, back in, this is 2014. So I'm at uh, the, the Comic-Con out in San Diego at, in, in 2014. I'm at the Marvel panel, and people are coming into Hall H, and they're just sitting down. They finally got in, and they got to sneak peek Guardians of the Galaxy, and and they're like, guys, this movie is so not what we expected. I'm like, oh, so it is a bi- pile of crap. And they're just like, no, it's fantastic. It's going to blow everyone's mind. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And then I saw it. It came out in August, and man, that movie was awesome. That soundtrack so was good. killer. And the soundtrack was supposed to be such a minimal part of the movie and there's people that straight up watch the movie just for the soundtrack because it's so good. And then they did it again with the second movie. So it's like there was no downside to either movie. They're both fantastic movies. So, I mean, I, I got to applaud James Gunn. I mean, when the second movie opens with Brandy, come on. You have a winner on your hands right there. Game over. <laughs> and and then you got... You got um, Walt Disney's favorite actor in the movie, <laughs> Kurt Russell. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't know that. That was the last thing that uh, that he said. He, he wrote on a piece of paper, Kurt Russell, and then he died. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. He thought he was going to be a big movie star. He, he was. You know, he had a, quite a career ahead of him, but it's a weird oh, yeah. thing to write. <laughs> It's like Rosebud. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail. On behalf of the cast of the Walt Disney World Resort, we'd like to welcome you to the Magic Kingdom. All right, James. So let's shift gears here just a little bit, going from entertainment news all about movies and whatnot, and go headlong into the parks. Epcot is going through just a bunch of changes right now yep and one of the changes that have come out since these changes have all been announced is the beauty and the beast sing-along it's yes. finally open can you believe it because i can't it's a uh, long time coming i guess exactly and it's supposed to be taking place in that theater where they show impressions de france and to be quite honest with you that's fine by me I always felt that that film was very boring. I know a lot of people love that film, mm-hmm. the Impressions de France film. It's outdated. You know, you got to imagine those oh, cameras. Oh, it's super outdated. What is this, filmed in the 80s, right? Although, right, like Canada, exactly. We have 4K China, cameras now. They were all filmed in the 80s. Now, for their time, it was like, wow, this is crazy. It's 360 degrees. But I sure. literally have a 360-degree camera, so it's like, and it's going to shoot in 5K, <laughs> so... I mean, the fact that I have a better camera that I got for free with my phone, it's not saying much to, like, you know, how old and outdated that technology is. So what they can bang out the park now, it's like you got, you know, 4K on each screen, which I think that (sighs) is 10 screens simultaneously, right? Or is it 
Is it 11 screens? I, I believe so. You know what? To be honest with you, I cannot remember because it's been a long time since I've actually gone to watch that film. Okay. Here's the thing. Epcot has always been the experimental prototype. City of tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I couldn't remember We're going to do good at trivia night. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> oh, man. Um. And so if it's going to be the city of tomorrow, it can't be 2020 and you're showing us a film from 1980. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Update it. That's fine. Give us the same voiceover. That's fine. But update it. Give us a new video. Give us a new voiceover artist. That kind of stuff. It's nothing. You know what I'm saying? Bryce, this is the experimental prototype city of 1980. <laughs> it's, like, exactly. it's the most outdated park. <laughs> it's really outdated. And Tomorrowland. Well, and that's why it's getting a outdated. massive overhaul. Yeah, it needs it. It needs. I'm <clears throat> so happy they're doing this for the 50th anniversary. It's like a big Walt, this is for you. Like Founders Point. Yeah. I, right? Is that what it's called, Founders Point? Or Dreamers Dreamers Point where it's it's that statue of walt disney kind of like kneeling or just crouching down and he's he's looking out into the future or whatever you know what i don't know what the name of that is i think it's called i didn't even know it got a name now what's interesting is that people still want to watch the impressions de france video and it is still available but so is the beauty and the beast sing-along so how's that going to work well, the Beauty and the Beast sing-along only runs for about 15 minutes. And that's going to run continuously from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. And then from 7.30 to 9, you can catch Impressions de France. Yeah. How long do you think it is before Beauty and the Beast just completely kicks out that movie and instead of redoing it, they just drop it entirely? Because it's... I feel like it's imminent. Yeah, it's it's gonna happen. They're not gonna, because like people are, they're gonna notice. I mean, they they have little trackers of each person that comes into the building, so they're gonna recognize. Oh wow, yeah, we had like you know twelve thousand people come through the door between, uh, you know, eleven and seven, and then, you know, <laughs> seven thirty to nine, we had like two or three people rolling through here. So it's like. <laughs> exactly yeah no it, it'll get dropped and it's just like you know for canada i never really liked the canada thing i know it was, i think it was martin short if i'm not mistaken before and it's like now it's uh eugene levy and uh, uh is it Catherine o'hara is is that her name it's the mom from um home alone that sounds right. Look, I'm I'm not the that best. That sounds names. right. I have an insane memory when it comes to movies, which is like so useless. <laughs> so like never pay off. <laughs> it doesn't. But I I know that it's it's significantly better. I mean, um, for the people that have already gone and seen it, they really seem to like it. Catherine O'Hara. Hey, man, I didn't do too bad. Well done, buddy. Wow. <laughs> it's like that you got, what is the, um, 
the millionaire show that with Regis Philbin. <laughs> Regis Philbin. Oh yeah. <laughs> when the Who guy wins and he can't believe he won a million dollars, he's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> you ever see that gif? <laughs> oh yeah, it's so good. <laughs> so great. Now keep in mind what I'm saying. Beauty and the Beast, the sing-along, is going to kick out Impressions de France. That is assuming Beauty and the Beast sing-along is any good at all. Because, in my opinion, if it is anything like the Frozen sing-along, that thing can go ahead and get out of there right now. I hate the Frozen sing-along. And so... Honestly, I'm a little bit nervous about the Beauty and the Beast sing-along because I do not want that to happen to Beauty and the Beast. Well, I don't think you have to worry about it, and and this is why. Because the Beauty and the Beast sing-along is, is, a, is taking the movie from a different point of view, and it's from LeFou's point of view. Like, he was the one that helped with certain things. So... It's a new spin, oh, and really? that's where, yeah, and that's where, for the people that have already seen it and tested it out, they saw it in the pre-production and then the final cut, and they said there really wasn't much of a difference. It was good in the beginning, and it was good in the end. They didn't really have to change much, and if they did change anything, they they didn't really know much of a difference, but that it was actually very, very well done, and pe- everybody in there was singing. <laughs> <laughs> which is impressive nice. when you have full-blown adults <laughs> singing to Beauty and the Beast. Yes, that's they're doing something right there. Absolutely. All right, man, moving right along. We are going to Hollywood Studios. Yay. And Hollywood Studios just has a constant fluctuating schedule right now. It's all <laughs> over the place because of Rise of the Resistance. It's a hot mess. Oh, it really, really is. It's unbelievable right now what is happening over there. It's more impressive out in Disneyland, but we're going to get to that in a minute. Yeah. But in Hollywood Studios on January 27th through the 31st and then February 1st and 2nd, Hollywood Studios is going to be opening at 7 (laughs) a.m. Now, they have been opening at 7 a.m., for a solid two months now. How much longer do you think this continues? Or they just drop it and say, you know what? Marco Biz at 9, figure it out. Because at some point, they have to go back to the regular schedule. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um. Well, here's the problem. Not so much for us. It's, it's a problem for the cast members because they're probably burned out beyond all recognition. I do I know that when the Galaxy's Edge opened, they're like, if you think Smuggler's Run is impressive, just wait until you see Rise of Resistance. And they were saying that constantly to everyone. You guys have absolutely no idea what Rise of Resistance looks like. When you see the pictures or video footage of that ride, you cannot help but just be in complete awe of the scale of that ride it's cavernous uh in size the great word there buddy very nice but it it is oh i know i'm i'm saying i i i appreciate the word it was very well very well chosen because micah was on the show on episode 35 of twilight thoughts i believe yeah 
And he was describing everything that goes into this ride, and it sounds unbelievable. Yeah, it's an it's an orchestra like, of technology. James, that's beautiful. You're gonna make me weep, man. Nicely worded. Nicely worded, indeed. <laughs> it's if if you see <laughs> the fact that you have multiple ride types, trackless ride system, not the easiest thing in the world. It's wireless technology. Right. That's not the easiest thing in the world. Is there? cell phone signal that's going to mess with it is it at the right megahertz is that going to mess with it i mean wireless technology is not new technology but it's not 100 percent foolproof and the fact that they had to go back and tear up the entire ground because they messed up the track <laughs> system is like oh crap is this going to even work and they got it to work exactly and for everyone that's gone on the ride i have never heard a single person complain about that ride everyone has said holy crap this is the greatest attraction i have ever been on my mind completely melted after i got off i mean watch watch people's reaction flight of passage (laughs) yeah i mean flight of passage the first time me and carissa went on there it was uh i think a week after it opened and we got there so early we got there at 6 a.m to the animal kingdom and it was, they were like, yep, you can go in. And we're like, what? And like, we're thinking we're going to be waiting this long <laughs> line. And we got there and we still waited for, I think, two and a half or three hours. Totally Does worth it. Does not shock me. Totally no, worth it. I awesome. Would, I mean, that ride is so mind-blowing when you go on it. And, it, you know, people go on Rise of Resistance and watch the videos of people getting off their ride. It's hysterical because they're like, oh, so what did you think? And they're just like, I'm like, okay, I think they just had a stroke. Um, I mean, they can't a even stroke form of words. Yeah, stroke of happiness. <laughs> you, I mean, you're getting on and off the ride several times. Um, there's drops. I mean, there's 3D effects. There's 4D effects. There's holograms. I mean... Now it feels like we're in the future. And to have this come out the day of, uh, you know, I believe it was the day of, uh, was it? Walt's birthday, right? Yeah, I think it was Walt's birthday or something. That was just like, a, hey, you know, thank you to him or something like that. But, I mean, it, that ride is crazy looking. <laughs> it's It's 20 minutes long. <laughs> exactly it's nuts i mean i think the carousel of progress is around that long right mm, i want to say carousel of progress is about 10 minutes or eight minutes because it's just a long it's not as long as you think it, it's it's just long enough for me to go to sleep for a few minutes because i'm so tired <laughs> but i i do love carousel exactly. of progress i don't want people to think i don't appreciate it for what it is it's a historical monument to disney world and for a sm- small time, Disneyland. So Now, as a reason, I kind of think this will be the last time we get an announcement of, hey, Hollywood Studios is opening at 7 a.m. is because on the 19th of February, Smuggler's Run is finally getting Fast Passes. So Smuggler's Run and Slinky Dog Dash are going to be Tier 1 attractions. Yep. And then you're going to have Rock and Roller Coaster, Tower of Terror, Alien Swirling Saucers, Toy Story Mania, Star Tours, Voyage of the Little Mermaid, Disney Junior Dance Party, Frozen Sing-Along, The Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular, Muppet Vision 3D, Fantasmic, 
and Beauty and the Beast live on stage are all going to be tier two. Yeah. Which is fantastic to me because now I can finally get Rock and Roller Coaster and Tower of Terror all in the same day. And that makes me very happy. But because they're alleviating, I believe, some of the stress put on Rise of the Resistance by giving Smuggler's Run some fast passes, I think that that is really going to help kind of thin the crowds, hopefully. Or it could do the exact opposite and say, well, you know what? Now we don't need to wait in line for Smuggler's Run we can just go and get in line for Rise of the Resistance, and then it makes it a complete nightmare still. Yeah. I don't know. But I just find it odd that February 1st and 2nd were the last announcements for the 7 a.m. openings, and then we have February 19th getting the Fast Pass changes. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'm interested to see what's going to happen. I think um, for right now, um, and I texted you about this earlier, but man, when you look at YouTube videos or maybe you go to like Disney food blog or, you know, WDW radio or get any, um, the Diz, you know, any of these, I'm trying to wrap my head around the entire boarding party process to get on rise of resistance. It is the most confusing freaking thing i have ever read for disney it is i can't understand it and each one that i look at is so time consuming for me to read or watch it's like watch my other five videos of how this works it's like (laughs) holy crap i'm like i'm gonna have to like read an encyclopedia before i even go on the stupid ride it's like i guess it is worth it for 20 minutes but it's like dear god i've never had to do so much research to go on a ride, I mean, flight of passage, yeah, I had to wait for two, three hours, but I didn't have to do research. I didn't have to look up, right. how you do I log into this on. app and click on the app and go to this menu and click on this and hope to God that you're in the park at the right time. And if you're not, you have to go to this desk and let them know that you are got your ticket. Uh, what the heck? Like, dude, I just want to ride this stupid thing. Like, give me a break. <laughs> this is crazy. I've never seen anything like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see if they do this again for, you know, future openings or if they go in a different direction and say, you know what, this was a bit complicated for just everybody in general. Yeah. Like, sure, there are going to be people who get this no problem, but for the masses, maybe it was a little bit too much. Maybe we should, and especially since Disney is a all-inclusive company, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they want to have everybody there having a good time. So maybe they kind of veer away from this in the future. And actually, you bringing up the boarding passes is a very nice segue into essentially the last thing I want to talk about tonight. It's about the boarding passes, but out in Disneyland. Rise of the Resistance just opened in Disneyland not too long ago. It was earlier this month in January. The day it opened, it sold out, (laughs) James, in 45 seconds. Yep. That's unbelievable. Mm Mm-hmm. Dude, there was a story back at the beginning of January that I covered with a buddy of mine named Timmy. And I said, oh, yeah, 
the boarding passes sold out within 35 minutes here in Hollywood Studios, and I was blown away. I was like, that's unbelievable. That's incredible that they sold out that fast. 45 seconds? That's like a speedrunner's dream. <laughs> that doesn't even compute with me. I don't understand how they did it that quickly. Well, I mean, just reading the blogs and speaking to my friend that was there opening day for uh, Galaxy's Edge and Disneyland, it, they'd, they'd gone. They got there you know, before the park opened and they couldn't get a, a pass. So sure. I was like, dang, but they said, you know, we're annual pass holders. So we're just going to go back again. Um, but you know, that's the nice thing when you're a pass holder is like, for me, when we go, we're in Tennessee. So it's not like, we're just going to be like, I'll oh, we'll come back next week. <laughs> doesn't work that way right exactly there's a lot involved so it's like yeah i hope to god i can get in but it's like just reading on the blogs and stuff i'm like dear god how early do you need to get here they're like well you know you know you you could take the skyliner and get there at 7 a.m and it's like no it that's not early that's enough, not dude. early enough and then <laughs> other people are like well you can take a, a minivan and get there you know at whatever time you want which yeah i guess so um, and then you could just take the Skyliner back, but, and then there's, you know, some people saying, oh, you need to get there two hours early. Some people are like, oh, you need to get there three hours early. Is the parking lot even open that early in the morning? I just what I don't understand. I mean, there's so many questions. It's open pretty early. You'd be surprised. <laughs> like, I feel bad for these cast members. They probably want to like hang themselves, man. It's, it's horrible. <laughs> it's like, well, and that's the thing you brought them up earlier, the cast members, like, yes, they are there already. They are getting the park in order. They are getting everything ready to go for that day yeah. when the park opens at 9. So, yes, they are there, but being there and being open are two entirely different things. When you have customers just in your face at 7 o'clock in the morning or essentially earlier than that, that because haven't had coffee. everyone's standing out. Exactly. And you're standing in line out there waiting to get into the actual park that opens at seven. It's crowded. Like I, I do smell. genuinely feel very bad for them. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully not that early in the morning. They don't, but maybe. <laughs> well, they probably haven't taken a shower yet. They just got it rolled out of bed. You know, hair's probably all jacked up. Looks like they've been licked by a Wookiee. I mean, it looks terrible. <laughs> so chances are... People are not nice in the morning, but I mean, when you see that, that like sea of people on those pictures, I know you've got to have seen someone's Instagram where they're like, Hey, I'm here. Oh, I'm yeah. like, Oh my God, that looks terrible. <laughs> like, how do you get it in? It looks honestly like a fire hazard. It does. And, and I don't understand how you get in at a proper time to actually get a boarding pass because it looks like it fills up in a matter of seconds. That's what I don't understand. Well, according to Disneyland, yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. So like so how does that work? You don't have to be at the actual ride. Yeah. Which Micah was explaining this to me the other day. So you don't have to be at the actual ride no. to get the boarding pass. All you have to do is get through the gate and make sure your entire party is through the gate. And you can make them at the front gate. So what if you're a single rider? You're solid. Just all you need to do is buy yourself. 
Because when you go to make the boarding pass, you select it like a fast pass. Like, okay, it's me and my wife, or it's just me and myself, and that's it. Then they put you with a boarding group that will kind of fill out that boarding group. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so so if you are, like, single rider, like, let's say you go on the single riders line for Everest or something like that. They're just going to throw you in with like any boarding party and you have a better chance of actually getting in as opposed to, Oh, yeah, we have exactly. a group of six that might push right. you back a few boarding parties. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Well then uh, maybe I have a chance of writing yeah. it. <laughs> it's not all dire, but it's not the best either. <laughs> But what's crazy is that the 45-second deal isn't the only thing out of Disneyland that was happening on that first day. The other thing that happened was because they sold out so fast, a blank boarding pass went around and people were forging boarding passes to get on the ride. What? Yeah, dude. So I guess there's a barcode on the boarding pass. I don't know 100% because I haven't seen one myself on my phone i have seen images and it does have a barcode that the cast member is supposed to scan and let you on the ride well i guess what was happening out in disneyland was the cast members weren't scanning all of the barcodes and it's like go through go through go through just go which i guess that's what happens when you have tired employees but that's so bad and the fact that it came out and was discovered by people on that opening day looks terrible for Disney. (laughs) Like, it's not great that people were trying to scam their way onto the ride by any means. But the fact that they were able to do it meant that Disney didn't have its protocols tight enough. It didn't have what it needed to have in place in place. And they were able to slip through the cracks. Yeah. Could you imagine, James, if you had a proper boarding pass and then somebody with a forged boarding pass just kind of slipped in right in front of you and took your spot? Furious. (laughs) I'd be so upset. Like, I'd be so mad. Yeah, that's not right. Because at 45 seconds, the entire thing's selling out. Essentially, you won a lottery. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was a lottery. Yeah. And... The problem is that wasn't even the only problem that they were having that day. The app was crashing. So people who were there trying to get passes couldn't actually get passes. Like the whole thing went for the majority of it smoothly, but it wasn't it wasn't the home run that they wanted it to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they they definitely could have learned quite a bit from Disney World. It, this is the other thing that irritates me about. You think that they would have. The one thing I cannot stand about Disneyland, and maybe it's just because it's so close to like Los Angeles and Hollywood and all that crap. Disney World is so much better than Disneyland on so many levels, and it never gets the respect that it deserves. And I hate that about Disney. <laughs> Like, I really, really wish they would give Disney World the love that it deserves. They don't have anybody show up to openings for, like, Galaxy's Edge or anything like that. It's like, 
you know, at Disneyland, it's like, we're going to have the entire cast of Star Wars show up. They'll have, like, Anthony Daniels show up for for Galaxy's Edge here, and it's like, C-3PO? Yeah? Oh, okay. <laughs> like, but like you said, though, it is, like, right next door to Hollywood. Yes. It'd be like asking your friend to come over and have a drink, you know what I'm saying? Versus me going, hey, James, can you come down here and record this podcast with me? Exactly. You live in Tennessee. I live in Florida. It's a little bit more of an imposition for you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I also have to imagine, guess what is the number one vacation spot in the entire world? Orlando, Florida. Yeah, but they're there to work. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I don't know. It always rubs me the wrong way that they, like, don't, like, I feel like Disney World is, like, the redheaded stepchild of, of Disney. Oh, come now. I don't think it's all that bad, but it's, I could get, I could definitely understand what you're saying is like, you know, we want a little bit more representation. Like we always hear those stories about Johnny Depp going out there and sitting in the sign and actually being the Mad Hatter or him dressing as Jack Sparrow and going on to Pirates of the Caribbean. That'd be awesome to see. We don't see that out here because we don't live out in California. However... We also have Epcot. We also have Hollywood Studios. We also have Animal Kingdom. We also have two water parks that they will never have. That's why I'm saying it's so, a better park. It's so much better. Oh, like I agree with you. All different levels. It's so much better. I agree with you. It's like, now have <laughs> I been to Disneyland? I have not been to Disneyland. So, in certain ways, I don't have a Nor leg have to I. stand on myself. But at the same time, Disney World. It's not land, it's world. It is freaking humongous. When you look at the size of Epcot, when you look at the size of Hollywood Studios, the massive size of Animal Kingdom, which could put all three parks into it by itself. I mean, that is humongous. And then you have Disneyland, which is like a parking lot. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) they're like, oh, this is happening at Disneyland. It's like, yeah, who cares? Like... We dwarf that crap at Disney World, and it's like I just I get irritated well, because they don't. That's true. They don't really have the fanfare at Disney World that they do at Disneyland. I feel like everyone uh, shows up to to anything that they're launching in Disneyland, but they don't do that at Disney World. If that makes sense, I it does it does. But then if you want to play that card, look at Disneyland Shanghai. You know what I'm saying, like. Yeah, Tron. They don't get anything. Tron. Oh my goodness. And and the pirates right. of the Caribbean it was over cool, there. But nobody was there. Right. It's crazy. Oh, there is there is stuff over there that looks absolutely unbelievable. But to your point of there's no fanfare over here in Disney World. There's no fanfare over in Shanghai either. So That's while I agree with you. Disney World is the better set of theme parks. If what Disneyland has over Disney World is celebrity appearances every once in a while, so be it. Take it. Because on the off chance that there is a celebrity appearance in Walt Disney World, it's a nightmare. Yeah, that's true. The crowds are crazy, and I don't want to deal with that. (laughs) I just want to go ride Pirates of the Caribbean. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be hassled. So if that's the trade-off... I'll take it.
And that's the end for this week anyway. I wanted to say thank you all for being here and listening to us and you know, and enjoying our podcast this week. If you wanted to reach out to me, you can find me on several different platforms. You can find me on Facebook. Just search the Nocturnal Disney Podcast. Join our little group. You can find me on Instagram. It's at the Nocturnal Disney Podcast, all separated by underscores. And you can find me on Twitter at Disney Nocturnal. You can also find this show on a number of different platforms as well. YouTube, iTunes, Newgrounds is a big one that I'm on. Spotify, all of your big podcast aggregators. And I really wanted to say thank you for listening tonight because this is the first time James has been able to join me on one of my main shows, man. Thank you for being here tonight. Oh, the pleasure's all mine. I really appreciate it, especially with me not feeling well and you having to shoulder the majority of the content. I really, really do appreciate it. Hey, no problem, man. Anytime. Uh, Where can people find you, buddy? Um, I'm on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. It's uh, Walt Disney IF. And then I'm on uh, iFunny as the Walt Disney account on iFunny. And I have the Game of Thrones account on iFunny. Um, just got verified, which is cool. And I just passed the 2,000 yeah, mark. congratulations, buddy. I got 2,000 subscribers, so I'm doing something right. People like my content. Um, I make a lot of videos. Uh, I post a lot of the Disney songs people are used to hearing. But what I do that's a little bit different from every other account is I put hidden Mickeys in my videos. So I make that fun for my subscribers so they can find the little hidden mickeys and then if you do find one i always encourage them to send me a screenshot and then i put them in my own little mickey mouse club and then i send them uh videos in that little group too so it's fun something different nice keep it up man because i know i've seen some of your content i've seen the majority of your content (laughs) and it's very very well done it's a lot of fun i really like your account so thank you Thank you for continuing to put it out. And like I said, that's going to do it for tonight, guys. Thank you again so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Hurry back. Hurry back. We're dying to have you.